the graphic behind you is what happens when we can't decide in the staff meeting what to call the service or the series. So we kept going back and forth, back and forth, and so we came up with this. So every week we'll rename the series. Start off saying, I love my church, and uh, the reasons why I love my church. But we really don't want it to stop there. We want it to be a place where we say, you'll love my church. We want to be the best church in Virginia Beach for you to be able to invite somebody. That's really our hope, not trying to be the best church in Virginia Beach. It's simply the best church to invite somebody to enter into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. But also, uh, I want you to know that they will love Essential Church. All of these kids who get a backpack, they may not even know the name Essential. I think some of the teachers probably will, though. And they'll love the fact that you care enough about the students that they'll be teaching this year to get them some school supplies so they can start off the year with a brand new backpack and some school supplies. And you guys are amazing. We, many of you all in this room were able to participate in that because a lot of folks in second service came out asking for them and they were already snapped up and gone, those darn first church service people. I don't think they took all the t-shirts though, so there's still some of those left for you after you head out. Uh, this morning, though, I uh, really want to be focusing on we love Essential Church, uh, and that's because we do life together in community. Uh, that movie was uh, Fireproof. It came out back in 2008, and actually years before that movie ever came out, I hung out with the Kendrick brothers at a church in Georgia long before they ever made movies, and it's funny, I kind of lost touch with them, and then years later, it was like, oh my gosh, they always wanted to make movies, and now they are. But that movie had a very profound impact on me and made me to make some very intentional choices in my life after watching it. Now, it wasn't because of the Oscar-nominated performance of Kurt Cameron, <laughs> although I do think he got gypped by the Academy on that one. And, and it wasn't about anything to do with marriage, even though the, the whole movie is really focused in on a marriage, and you could sort of see just from that clip that there are some marriage issues between the two of them. What left a profound impact on me was the advice that each of them got from their friends. And this is kind of a recurring theme, is that when he's going to his friends that he works with, they're all pushing him to make good choices, wise choices, to uh, as much as your wife is aggravating you, as much as you're wanting to walk away, you need to press in during this season and love and just you know, win her over with love and love when you want to hate and you need to love when you want to get bitter and you need to love and love and love and love even when you're not being loved in return. Meanwhile, as you saw in there, she's going to her friends that she hangs out with, and they're all saying, he does what? He makes you coffee, and he gets you flowers, and he calls to see how you're doing. You don't want a man like that, right? I mean, come on, which one of you would want a man like that anyway, right? No, they're pushing her to be suspicious of him, and then they're also pushing her down a path to make other bad choices, and then, of course, they start gossiping behind her back, and I just thought it was very interesting the way that the direction that both of them go in that movie is heavily dependent upon who their friends are, which is a truth we see in Scripture. And this is truth that comes up again and again and again, which is the direction of your life will be determined by the friends in your life. The direction of your, li the direction of your life will be determined by the friends you have in life. Proverbs puts it this way. Proverbs is a collection of very short, compact uh, pieces of God's wisdom for your life. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise but a companion of fools will suffer harm. Now, 
Fools in the book of Proverbs is a sort of generic broad term for somebody who lacks sense, somebody who doesn't have a right understanding of life, somebody who doesn't have a right understanding of who God is, someone who sees life from a perspective outside of a godly worldview, somebody who is naive, somebody who doesn't have experience. Uh, all of those are incorporated in what it means to be the fool. So he says a companion is somebody who's doing life with somebody who doesn't see life as it is, who doesn't understand that there is a God over all things, that all of us will spend eternity somewhere someday, uh, that doesn't understand all of these different principles, Somebody who's doing life with people like that is going to suffer harm. They're going to suffer the consequences of it. Why? Because the direction of your life uh, and the quality of your life and the decisions you make in life will be determined by the people you do life with. Now, with that, there's a companion passage to that one that I always have to put out, which is Proverbs uh, 12, 26, or sorry, yeah, 12, 26, which is this. The righteous chooses their friends carefully but the way of the wicked will lead them astray. The righteous chooses their friends carefully. In other words, once I realize the reality that who I do life with, who I spend the most time with in life, who I choose as friends in my life, will determine the direction and the quality of my life, I need to be very intentional about who I choose to be friends with. Now, what you notice in that movie is they find friends where most people find their friends. Number one place that people find friends, I ask, I oftentimes ask when people are hanging out with somebody, uh, I do little pieces of market research for my sermons all the time, bless you, uh, just by simply asking questions. And so one of the questions I often ask when somebody's talk, hanging out with somebody who I don't recognize, I was like, oh, well, how'd y'all meet them? Number one answer is met them at work. Either they are somebody I work with, or they are the wife of somebody my husband works with, or they are the husband of somebody my wife works with. Number one place people find their friends is at work. And if you notice in the movie here, that's what was evident here, is that their best friends all were people that they work with. Now, the number two place, uh, interestingly enough, that I've, I've found, and this may not be, statistics may not show this out, but at least it's what I've seen, at least in our, our local area. Number two place people find friends outside of church, because church is kind of a unique dynamic, but I'm talking about people outside of church. Number two place I find people find their friends is they are the parents of the uh, people my kids hang out with. Because after all, if you're going to be at the ball field for two hours every Tuesday night to watch your kid to make sure they don't get abducted while they're out there on the ball field, isn't that funny? When I was a kid, my parents just dropped me off and drove off, right? My mom would leave, you know, you have a quarter in your sock, so that way when practice was over, if it, rained, you know, if it got on early, you could call on the payphone kind of thing, whatever those things are, and have her come pick you up, or you leave the collect call, mom, I'm ready to go. <laughs> I've got a collect call from mom, I'm ready to go. <laughs> Am I the only one? No, I guess I'm not. Uh, nowadays, you've got to watch your kid, make sure they're okay, make sure nothing happens to them while they're out there on the ball field, right? So what do you do? You end up talking with the other parents there, and then you're going to see them every Saturday for the next four, five, six weeks, whatever it might be, and then there's going to be an end-of-the-year party. And, and so you end up becoming friends with simply because they were the parent of one of your kids' ball teams or, or one of the kids in the neighborhood or something. And if you think about that, is these people who I work with, who are the parents of kids my uh, kids play ball with are the people that I'm allowing to determine the direction and the course and the quality of my life. And I've chosen these things completely unintentionally. That should be scary to you. Now, whenever Pastor Chris teaches, there's sort of this running thing on staff because Pastor Chris always has these like very poignant one-liners. Some of y'all know this. Look for them. Write them down. They are like I don't know where he comes up with these. I don't know if he kind of likes, oh, I got to preach next week, all right. And he goes to like this little almanac maybe, you know, or something like that. I don't know where he gets these things from, but he always has these very poignant things whenever uh, he preaches. And one of the things that really stood out, he said, is, is this. Um, 
unintentional living leads to unintentional results. Unintentional living leads to unintentional results. Isn't that just like so succinct and so powerful and so compact? Um, you're like, yeah, it's like one of those like epiphanies that you're like, well, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, but I couldn't succinctly said it that way. Uh, and then he kind of had a derivative off of that. He says, uh, nobody gets anywhere good on accident. You don't drift anywhere good when you're at the beach, right? Drifting always takes you away from where you need to be. Yet most of us in life, we drift into friendships. We drift into relationships. We drift places just because, well, that's, that's where it's work. Now, what's kind of interesting about that is most of you didn't choose where you worked based on who you wanted to have an intentional friendship with. I mean, nobody ever said, hmm, where could I find a group of people who could push me to, to delve deeper into the kind of relationship I want to have with my wife? Where can I find a place that has the kind of family values that I want to lift up? Where can I find somebody that'll teach me to be a better dad, better mom, encourage me and push me in these directions? Where can I find somebody who will help me with my financial life choices? Where can I help? Where can I find somebody who will push me to make wise decision after wise decision? <gasps> I know, the Navy. <laughs> now, <laughs> I only say that because many of you all have a history in the Navy <laughs> and some experiences, but that's true for whatever career field you pursued, isn't it? You chose that career field not because of the people who were there and the life journey they were on and where they were going to push you. You chose that career field typically because it's what I like to do, it's what I had an interest in, or it's where I could make money, or where there was an opportunity for advancement. Many of you took promotions that led you here to Virginia Beach, or job opportunities led you here to Virginia Beach, not because Virginia Beach was this place known to have a group of people or churches or whatever. Most of you chose it just because the opportunity was good. And then you unintentionally hung out with the people that you were doing life with and were at work with, and that's how you got where you ended up now. Because the thing that you have to remember is the people you do life will determine the direction of course of your life. Now, that's not to say you can't be friends with people at work. That's not, that's not at all where I'm going with this. What I'm saying is if you are not intentional, because that's what the proverb says, you need to intentionally choose. The righteous, the people who are in the right place, the people who intentionally end up in a good place, they didn't end up there on accident. They were intentional about it. They, they chose people to be friends with that would get them to where they needed to be because the people you do life with will alter and change how you view marriage. It'll alter and view how you see your finances. It'll alter and view how you see friendships. Now, I know for some of you are thinking to yourself, not me, man. I know that might be true of some others, but no, I mean, I believe what I believe, and somebody else isn't going to change my beliefs, all right? I hang out with people who are nothing like me all the time, and I don't believe what they believe. They vote differently than I do. They look differently than I do. They dress differently than I do. It's not going to change how I view, because I'm, I'm independent. Like, I, I'm, a, I'm a self-made person. I, I can think for myself. Okay, we'll just pause that over here one real quick. Are you ever concerned about the friends your kids hang out with? Hmm? Why? Why? Have you ever thought that the reason why your child made a bad decision, your little angel made a bad decision, is simply because they were hanging out with that kid? I don't want you hanging out with that kid anymore. He's not welcome over at my house. I don't like you with those girls because those girls aren't nice. They're mean, right? So it's true for my kids. Not true for me, though. It's just true for my kids. Hmm, interesting. Interesting the way you can see that when you're on the outside, but you can't see it when it's firsthand. Um, but the reality of what God's word says is, choose your friends carefully, because those who walk with wise become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Um, why? Well, I've noticed with my own kids, 
when they started middle school, if you have kids who are starting middle school this year, <laughs> be prepared. It's going to be a long year. I would say this statement almost weekly. Whoa, 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 whoa. When we'd be, we'd be eating dinner at, 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 together as a family at night, I'd say, whoa, 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 pause, pause, pause. This isn't the middle school lunch table. What did I mean by that? At the middle school lunch table, there are no table manners whatsoever. You just grab, take whatever you want. You can reach across the table. You can stand up on the table. You can shout. You can yell. You can do pretty much whatever you want. You can throw stuff. Um, and you can be very, it's encouraged to be extremely dismissive of people. You know, to be rude and put down and biting with your comments. Very encouraged. Uh, it's, it's, it's extremely uh, uh, fought highly of in that environment. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. I ain't one of your friends at the middle school table. You don't talk to me like that way. We don't talk to our brother and sister that way. You, you, no, you, that may happen over there. That doesn't happen here. Now, how did my little angel go from <laughs> acting one way to another? Because lunch in, in elementary school is very structured, right? They're told where to sit. Sometimes they're told who they can sit with. And the kids will complain about how militant the teachers are at the volume which they can speak. And w everything's very structured. They moved to middle school. It's just like, here, y'all do whatever you want right? And what do a bunch of 10, 11, 12, I don't even know, what, 12 year olds do when they're just told to do whatever they want? Nothing I want them to do, right? They change because of who they're hanging out with. I got to remind them, no, 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 no. That's not going to determine how you live. That's not going to determine your table manners. We're resetting this every single night around this table because that's not going to be your primary influence. This is, which by the way, is one of the reasons why it's so important to at least once a week have a family dinner so you can see whether or not your kids even know how to act social anymore. Um, but this is messaging about that, let's move on. Um, so the thing what happens is that when you hang out with people who have different values, what will happen is eventually your, their value system will impact your value system. Uh, I remember when Melissa and I first got married, we were used to, sharing desserts was a part of our dating culture. And so we would always like, you know, sample each other's desserts. I remember one day she'd been hanging out with this I'll just call her a nasty woman. Uh, I don't. She's just mean. She just. She just was. You ever meet somebody? You're like, wow. Mm. Bless whoever has to deal with that, right? <laughs> and I remember she'd been hanging out with her for like all week long because they were working on this project together, and we were we were having dessert. I said, let me try some. Let me let me try some. She goes, get your own. I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? I was like, oh. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want the kind of marriage they have. I don't, I don't want that kind of marriage. Because you see that and, and, and you gravitate towards those kind of things. Uh, another thing that happens when you hang out with people is eventually you're going to go to them for counsel. You'll go to them and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And you'll even hear people say, well, all my friends say that this is what happens at their, in their marriage. How do you all feel whenever your husband or wife says that? Like, yeah, well, I've seen your friend's marriage and I don't want to have that kind of marriage. Uh, Another thing is their, their understanding of friendship oftentimes is messed up. Uh, in other words, they know you're struggling with drinking, and yet they still invite you to go hang out with them when they're drinking. They know you're struggling with it, but they still offer you one when you go hang out. Uh, they know that you've had a past issue of indiscretions in your marriage, and yet your single friends still want you to go hang out with them while they're going out and trying to pick up people. No, that's not where you need to be. You, you don't need to be out there on the dance floor for multiple reasons, and that's just one of them, right? Um, <laughs> You'll have friends who are workaholics because at their time in life, 
they, you know, their kids are grown and out of the house and they don't have a lot of stuff going on home or they're single, wherever it may be, and they're trying to push you to put in the same effort that they're putting in and they're going to guilt you because of that. They're pushing you to make bad decisions that aren't in line with what you need to be doing right now. So sometimes you'll have friends where they're not, they don't have your best interest in mind. They're pushing you to do whatever they want to do because it seeks their own best interest. Um, Sometimes you'll have people who think that what it really means to be a friend is to facilitate your bad choices. Uh, there's a great uh, study you can do in Scripture looking at the life of David. Uh, King David is one of the guys we see in First uh, and Second Samuel. Uh, when he was younger in life, he had a really good friend named Jonathan. And there's a phrase in there that says, Jonathan strengthened his hand in the Lord, which is what a good friend does. You need to intentionally choose some people in your life who will, when you have a difficult time, you're going through a difficult time in your life, your marriage, your kids, parenting, whatever it might be, who will strengthen your hand in the Lord. In other words, they'll come to you and they will strengthen, they will seek to strengthen your relationship with God to help you get through this season. There's another season in David's life where Jonathan is no longer around, Jonathan's passed away, and the guy that's in David's life is a guy named Joab. He's his uh, primary, he's his chief general, and David is what I would call a mutually facilitating friend. Joab does something wrong, David covers up for it. When David does something wrong, guess what Joab does? He covers up for it. Like, I got your back, you got mine. It's a very corrupted view of friendship. It's what I would call a mutually facilitating friendship. We're gonna facilitate each other's bad behaviors and call that friendship. That's not a good friend. That's not the kind of friend you need to have. You need a kind of a friend who Cameron had in there where the guy's like, dude, you can't do this. I see the kind of commitment you have at work. You need to have that kind of commitment in your marriage. Um, and then lastly, a lot of times they care more about their own needs than yours. Come on, man, we need a fourth for golf this Sunday. Come on, we need a fourth, we need a fourth, we need a fourth. Well, my wife asked me to come to church, so I was going to go to a church, or it's my, you know, my kid's first ball game. But you got more ball games. You can go to war, you know, you got a whole season of ball games. Come on, we need a fourth. They don't care about you. They care about themselves and what they want to do. And so oftentimes when you don't intentionally choose your friendships, you will end up in friendships that push you down a path that you don't want to be on. And they will push you to make decisions you wouldn't otherwise make. Uh, why? Because everybody seeks normalcy. Whether you are aware of it or not, we gravitate towards what is normal. And normal is determined by who we're influenced by, who we hang out with, who we do life with. We assume that's just normal. And there's something within us that says, well, if everybody's doing it, it must be okay. To which your mother would say, you still hear her words, well, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would <laughs> Mom, it depends on the height of the bridge, whether or not, I, you're right, you, you've got all those things, right? But we, we gravitate towards what is normal because we think normal is okay. Everybody else is gonna be there. Everybody else is doing it. None of the other wives have complained about this, right? So that makes you weird, that makes you odd, that makes you the problem, right? I love what Dave Ramsey says about this when he talks about finances. He says, in America, People spend 120% of what they make. If you do the math on that, that's a problem. He says, that's what is normal in America for us to live beyond our means, right? Normal is broke. Be weird. Be weird. If normal's broke, I don't want to be normal. I, I, I don't want to be broke. I, I want to do something weird. I want to do something different with my finances than everybody else is doing. Now, uh, that's said in the context of something that's uh, called Financial Peace University. We call it FPU for short, so Financial Peace University. And what that is, it is a like 10-week small group where walks you through biblical principles that apply to how you manage your finances. Now, every year I usually teach on finances. Usually somewhere in November is kind of where it gets slotted in on the sermon calendar. 
not very many people make changes in their finances based on the messages they preach on finances. However, radical life change happens every single year when people take Financial Peace University. Why? Because change happens in the context of small groups. Because who you do life with will determine the direction of your life. I hate to admit it, but you all don't make a lot of changes based on my sermons. They have an impact, they have an influence, they get your mind thinking, but change is much more likely to happen when you begin to do life with people who also say, you know, normal's broke, I don't mind being weird, and here's what happens. When you put yourself immersed in an environment where all of a sudden it is normal to not live on 120%, where it is normal for you to live within your means, where it is normal to save before you spend, when you live in an environment through Financial Peace University where you're doing life with people who are doing that, you'll begin to see it's much easier to make healthier, wise financial decisions. Why? Because who you do life with determines the direction and quality of your life. Those who walk with the wise grow wise. So as Proverbs says, be intentional about who you choose to do life with. Because unintended living leads to unintended results. Um, so this is why every single year, multiple times a year, you can almost mark it on your calendar. You pretty much can because I have a preaching calendar that I use. Uh, every year in August and every year in January, guaranteed. And every once in a while, a few times throughout the year, I will come to you and implore you, you need to get involved in a small group because change happens in small groups. Uh, and I don't care which one it is. I don't care what kind it is. It's just that at some point, you need to be intentional about who you're doing life with. You need to intentionally set aside that time. Now, uh, I can tell you this. There is a love-hate relationship I've always had with small groups my entire life. First of all, whenever I'm invited to be a part of a small group, before I became a pastor, my first thought was, ugh, I gotta spend the whole night with Christians? <laughs> huh. For those of you who didn't grow up in church, that makes sense. For those of you who grew up, you're like, what? I have a great time, I love church. That's okay, I love y'all too. It's just, I, I always had a negative view about it because it just seemed like it would be kind of boring and kind of weird and kind of awkward. Also, I can tell you is that like with our men's group, uh, shut it down in the, at, the, at uh, Memorial Day, we start back up against Labor Day. There's a piece of me that loves having a summer off. However, I love what I've gotten out of men's group over time. Now, I know I promote men's groups just because I, I lead it. It's, it's something that half of y'all can be a part of. There's women's groups too. There's a lot of wonderful women's groups. I'll get to women's groups in just a minute. Um, but here's what, what, here's what men's group has done for me. Uh, when I've gone through various parenting challenges, so I've got kids who are now all in high school, at each stage along the way, I've been able to find other guys who have already been through the preschool years when my kids were entering preschool years. I've had other guys in that group whose kids were already in elementary school when my kids weren't. I've had guys who, whose kids were already in middle school and high school who, and they were making mistakes. Some kids were having, some, I'll be sitting there around the groups and be like, oh man, I'm so excited. And they'll tell me something great about what's going on. And they'll ask questions like, whoa, whoa, whoa. How did it end up happening? How did, how did he end up getting into that program? What did he do? And what they're doing is they are coaching me and mentoring me on how to be a parent that will lead to that kind of result in my kids' lives. One of the main reasons why my kids are where they are, for better or worse, is because of the influence that the various men in that group have had on my life. I have also been personally through just about every family marriage challenge you could possibly be involved in in the course of my life. Now, Fortunately, I'm the only one who's been through all of those circumstances, but I have not been through anything that there hasn't been another guy in that group who's not been through. Death of a spouse, you know, the abandonment of a spouse, everything you can name, there's other guys who have been there, and I can sit down and say, hey man, what'd you do? How'd you get through it? What do I need to be doing right now? 
and they show me what to read. They talk about what they've gone through. They talk about pitfalls, dangers you know, they went through. Here's, and here's the thing, I can learn from their mistakes because they've already like troubleshooted those mistakes. They've like, oh, 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 I wish I could. If I had to do it over again, here's what I would do differently. Well, guess what? I get to do it differently. You ever said that? I wish I could go back and do life differently. I wish I could go back and change that choice. You can't do it for you, but if you talk to some people, you can. You can learn from their mistakes and you can do it differently so then later on you're not looking back and going, man, I made the same dumb mistake. You don't have to because somebody else has already gone before you. Here's the thing though, you won't find that accidentally. And if you do find somebody who's been through that, what are the chances accidentally that they'll have gone through it with a sense of wisdom and your same values that you have? I don't know where else you're going to find that outside of a community like this. Well, the number one thing that we can offer you outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ is a relationship with other people who are also tracking with you. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this, uh, which is somewhere in my notes. He says, Jesus works in all of us through all kinds of ways, sometimes through nature, sometimes within our own bodies and in life as we go through them, sometimes through books, sometimes through experiences, which sometimes at the time might even not seem like as if God's involved in them, but later on we realize he was. But above all, God works on us through one another because each one of us are mirrors or carriers of Christ to one another. Uh, and that's it. When we come together as a church, we are the body of Christ. When you come together in a small group, Jesus says, we're two more gathered, I'm right there. You have the opportunity to get wisdom from me to you through those environments. Uh, and so I just want to encourage you. A lot of our small groups are all starting up the week of September 18th. Men's group starts a little earlier because football. Um, <laughs> we eat we, buy, we study the Bible, and we watch football, and that's, that's, that's what we do. There's nothing wrong with that. So, guys, it's a great excuse to go watch football on a Monday night and let your wife think you're doing Bible study, because you are. Um, that's actually how it started. It was called a group for guys who don't want to go to a group. Uh, but there's women's groups as well. Um, I can't tell you a lot about them because I've never been, but uh, raise your hand if you've ever been to a women's group at our church. Yeah, see, a lot of them, yeah, a lot of people take advantage of it. Uh, there's great, there's Tuesday nights, uh, Wednesday nights, Wednesday mornings. I think they've got uh, women's groups. I don't know all the dates. You can find those on the website. You go down the very bottom, it's a small group. Uh, if you want to learn a book of the Bible, uh, you can learn more about deep, you want to go deeper into a book of the Bible because I'm just not deep enough for you, fine. Uh, go to a small group and you can go as deep as you want to go uh, in, in, in our small group program. And also, I want to make sure you know, Celebrate Recovery is also a small group ministry. Uh, Celebrate Recovery, uh, they got it going on, man. They're, they're the most organized small group ministry in the whole church. They got dinner going on at 6 o'clock or 6.15. Five bucks show up, get a home-cooked meal. I hear they're going really good. And then also after that, uh, Mike, every week, he tells us how great the food was. Uh, we'll get the staff meeting, like, how was Celebrate Recovery? Before I tell you anything else, the food was banging this week. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, then they, have their own, they have a worship service. And here's the thing. You ever get that feeling like where you wish Sunday came more than once a week? That's why Celebrate Recovery is Wednesday night. Some people just come for the worship service because they just need that extra injection of God in their life that week. And so there's a worship service at seven o'clock uh, with a focused teaching or testimony. And then after that, they break out into small groups times. And there's small groups for, and this, by the way, Celebrate Recovery is not Christian AA. It's not at all what it is. It's for anybody struggling with a hurt, habit, hang up, which is all of us, who says, you know, this time next year, I don't want to still be in the same place I am right now. I want to start dealing with this. I want to start addressing this. I want to have some sense of I'm making progress on this. And what Celebrate Recovery does is it brings you together with other people who have the same goal and are tracking in the same way, and you guys can together get you to where you want to go. Um, so that's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. And so there's groups for all kinds of individual things as well as one that I think all of us can, can fit into, and that's called Mixed Issues. <laughs> Anybody got any issues? 
We got a group for that. Um, so that's one kind of small group. Another kind of small group I want to tell you about is what we call table groups. Now, for those of you who are scared, intimidated, but you won't admit it, and just kind of a little creeped out, weirded out by the idea of going to small group, I get that. Um, why don't you just hang out with some people you do want to hang out with and eat dinner with them once a month, once a week, every other week, whatever it might be. But here's the thing. Here's the key piece. Add intentionality. If you get nothing out of this morning, I want to make sure you got the truth of Proverbs 12, 26. The righteous choose their friends carefully. In other words, he's saying they intentionally have chosen who they're doing life with because if you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. So you're going to intentionally choose who you're going to be tracking with in life. And so that's where uh, a group of two to six people, it could be two to six people, two to six couples, two to six families, uh, you can give or take you know, here or there on that. Uh, and basically the idea is you get together once a week, every other week, once a month uh, for a dinner, a breakfast, lunch, whatever it might be, dessert, I don't care, and ask simply three questions. Where you at? Where you want to go? How can I help you get there? Where you at? Where you want to go? How can I help you get there? Do you know where those questions come from? First one's a little more obvious. Who's the first person to ask, where are you? God. Who's he ask? And where is Adam? Hiding because he made some dumb decisions. By the way, a little side note. The Bible, Bible begins off when God says, let us make man like humankind in our image. So let all of us, plural, make humanity, plural, and plural, our image. Where's the first time you see a singular in the scripture? Anybody know? When Eve is alone talking to the snake. How'd that work out? And then what happens? They go and they hide. And so God says, where are you? Here's why it's so important. Those three questions. Where are you? Where do you want to go? How can I help you get there? Pause for a minute and picture. If, if you just think about maybe if you, wherever you spend the bulk of your, your week. If it's at work, think of work. If it's at school, think of school. Uh, if it's at the gym, think of the gym, whatever it might be, right? Think about that. Now think about the most obnoxious, annoying idiot where you, where you work, spend your time with, go to school with. Think of that person. Think about that person asking you, hey man, where you at? Where do you want to be? Here's this my favorite. Think of that person asking you the question, how can I help you get there? <laughs> it's a funny thought. It's a scary thought, if you will, right? That's not who you need asking you that question. You need to be intentional about who's asking you that question. I want to intentionally choose who I invite into my life to be able to talk to you about where I'm at, where I want to be, and how I'm going to get there. When you add intentionality to those three questions, it will change the direction and course of your life. That's what I want for you. That's why I promote small groups every year, and that's why also we develop you know, the idea of doing table groups. And here's the thing, you get to choose who's in your table group. Call a few friends. And they don't even have to be all people who go to, go to Essential. They could be people who don't go to church. You could be the only one who goes to church in that group. It could be your opportunity to be able to speak life into those people. I hope you're getting fed and you're, you're also tracking with other people as, as well. It could just be a group of, of friends of yours and none of you all as a leader, but all of you guys kind of been coming to Essential just on a, a weekly basis and you say, you know, we need to add intentionally to our life. Do it. What's stopping you? You're going to eat anyway. You're going you're gonna to end up somewhere but you'll only end up where you want to be if you do it by intention. Would you want me to close our time in prayer? Father, I thank you that uh, you haven't put us here on earth alone, but you always put us in the context of community. You made Adam and Eve. You made families. You made groups of people. 
for all of history, we've been in tribes and communities and villages. When your son came here to this earth, he gathered together a group that followed after him. He established a church of those who would be called out. So Father, may we never try to do life alone. May we realize, Father, we're gonna end up somewhere. We're gonna end up doing life with somebody. Maybe, may we be wise enough to do it intentionally. Give us the vision to see that. Give us the conviction to do it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.